Thank you, worship team. Good morning. How are we doing? I'm going to let you in on what, a little secret on what happened to me a couple of weeks ago. One mor- morning during my Bible study time, I read one of my all-time favorite verses. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And these verses, I've long since memorized. I've known these for so many years. I've read them over and over again. But on this particular morning, something was different. Something just spoke to me in a way that I had never seen before. There was one word that jumped right off the page. It's a word that I'm not accustomed to seeing in this text. But here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him, and he will make your path straight. I've primarily always stuck to three Bibles uh, during my, my studies, three Bible translations, New King James, New American Standard, and New Living. Only recently have I expanded into other translations. And on this particular morning, I was reading in the Christian Standard Bible. And the word that I was accustomed to seeing for know is the word acknowledge. That word acknowledge is in the King James, the New King James, the New American Standard. It's also in the English Standard Bible translation. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Now that word acknowledge never really caught my attention before. The dictionary simply refers to this as admitting that something is true or to take notice of something. It's like you and I are walking towards one another in a hallway, and I see you, and I'm like, what's up? I've acknowledged you, right? And then we go about our business. Or let's say you and I are in a conversation. We're talking to one another, and you tell me something's true, and I look at you, and I say, yeah, I I agree with you. That is true, right? I've acknowledged you, and then we go on, and we just keep on talking. So that word acknowledge just doesn't capture what's really going on here in this text. But I had seen it there for so long and in so many translations that I never really gave it much thought. So when I read the word no in the Christian Standard Bible, it really resonated with me. It really captured my attention. It caused me to stop immediately, and I looked up the original Hebrew word. And that word that's used here is yada. And yada means to know through personal experience. It's the idea of having an intimate, personal relationship. It's the same word that's used in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, where it says that Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived. Yada in this context, means an intimate, physical relationship between a husband and wife. So in all your ways, know him. As I kept reading this and I kept meditating on this verse, I realized just how much I value Jesus and just how much I want that in all my ways. I want to know him. I want you to understand the completeness in this. In all your ways, know him. This means in everything. Your ways with your family, your ways with your friends, your ways with strangers, your ways with your thoughts, your ways on your own time, Your ways on work time, in everything and everywhere, we are to know him. That's all that really matters in this life, is to know him. There's nothing more important. There's nothing more praiseworthy. There's nothing more fulfilling than to know Jesus Christ. That's how this message was born, right out of my own personal study. Not only do I want to have a deep relationship with Jesus, but I want all of you to have a deep relationship with him too. That's the kind of relationship that God wants with you. 
He's not interested in you knowing about him. He wants you to know him personally, intimately, and completely. Years ago, I used to follow NASCAR, and my favorite driver was Dale Earnhardt Jr. I knew all about him, and I knew all about his famous seven-time NASCAR championship father. I could tell you all kinds of stats about them. I could tell you about the races that I went and watched them race. But here's the deal. While I knew all about Dale Jr. and his dad, I didn't know either of them personally. I didn't have a personal relationship with either one of them. You see, there's a lot of people like that. They're fans of Jesus. They know about him. They have some knowledge about him up here, but they don't know him here in their heart. Jesus doesn't want fans. He wants fully devoted followers. That's what he's after. When he engaged his disciples, he didn't say to them, I want you to know about me. I want you to just sit on the sidelines. Don't get involved in ministry. Just cheer my name. Yay, go Jesus. No, he didn't say that. He said, follow me. And he wants you and I to do the same. He says here in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, as Jesus says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. This is not a half-hearted, follow when you feel like it or when you need something kind of relationship. It's a lifelong commitment. It's saying, I'm all in. There's a line right here, and you need to step over it. Right? I'm all in. I can't straddle this line. I can't say I've got one foot in the world and one foot with him. No. A relationship with Jesus is stepping over the line and saying, I'm all in. It's dying to everything about yourself and living for him every day. It's letting go of everything in the world that competes with your pursuit of Jesus. Now, verse 24 drives this point home. Any desire that you have to take matters into your own hands and try to preserve or protect your life will ultimately fail. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But if you give up your life for the sake of following Jesus, you will save it. The Apostle Paul, he understood this completely. In the beginning of Philippians chapter 3, he recounts who he was before knowing Jesus. He talks about how prestigious he was, how important he was, and that he talks about all the things that he had accomplished, and then he puts everything into perspective. Watch this. Philippians chapter 3. He says, Everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. There is nothing that even compares to knowing Jesus. It's the chief aim that anyone can have in life. In the New Living Translation, the word infinite is used instead of the word surpassing. I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. How valuable is knowing Jesus? Paul is saying that nothing even compares Knowing Jesus is infinitely more valuable than anything else in life. You can't even measure it. Because anything and everything else is as worthless as dung when comparing it to knowing Jesus. Now, in the IAV translation, that's the Ian authorized version. 
that word dung there, it, it's, like, it's like poop compared to knowing Jesus. Am I you offended because I said poop in church? <laughs> hey, Paul said it, man. It's right there, dung. There is no higher aim. There is nothing more important, nothing more worthy, and nothing more glorious. Paul goes on to say in verse 10 that it's his goal in life to know Jesus. He says it here, verse 10, chapter 3. My goal is to know him. In the Amplified Bible, the classic edition, it says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. This word know used here in the Greek language is genosko. It's the companion to the Hebrew word yada that I mentioned earlier from the Old Testament. Genosko means to have a deep, personal, and intimate relationship. Knowing Jesus is not about rules or rituals. It's about a personal and growing relationship with the risen Savior that ultimately results in us being like him. Our chief goal in life should be to know him and to be like him. There is no greater calling than this. So let me ask you, is this your goal in life? To know him? Is knowing God your determined purpose and priority? Are you progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him? Are you growing daily in your understanding of the wonders of his person? In all your ways, know him. Let's pray. Father, we ask right now that you'd come into our hearts, clear out anything that may cause us to be distracted, that we can focus on the word of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So the title of my message today is, In All Your Ways, Know Him. So let's begin this morning with understanding who Jesus is. And to do that, we first are going to have to explore the words that Jesus used to describe himself. In John chapter 8, Jesus is having this conversation, this dialogue with the Pharisees about who he is. So we're going to pick up here in John chapter 8, beginning in verse 53, and you'll see the Pharisees are going to ask Jesus a question. They say, are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus answered, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count, but it is my father who will glorify me. You say he is our God but you don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you, but I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it, and it was glad. Now in verse 58, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. Right? You see that? Actually, I didn't even go to the next one. I'm like, ready to go, man. You guys are like, what? He didn't say that. So he keeps going here in verse 57. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. So there it is. There's Jesus using the words, I am. And this is significant because these words that Jesus used is essentially equating himself with God. He's saying here, I am God. Now, I am is the name God used for himself in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses asked God his name. 
And God said, I am who I am. And then he told Moses, go tell the Egyptians that I am sent, has sent you. So the Pharisees here in this text, they knew exactly what Jesus meant here when he used those words. And you know that because in the very next verse, they pick up stones to throw at him because they considered it blasphemy for any man to equate himself with God. You see, Pharisees knew all about God. They knew all about him. They knew the Old Testament law backwards and forwards, but they didn't truly know him personally. Don't let that be you, just knowing about God. Jesus wants you to know him. In all your ways, know him. He longs for a personal relationship with you. And the relationship that he's calling you into, it's one of complete devotion. It's a love relationship. And if you're a child of God, you should know, you should already know how much he loves you. Ephesians 3, verse 18 says this, And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, and how high, and how deep his love is. We should know this. In fact, his love was so great that it's what led him to give his life on the cross as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. It was the only way to save us from our sins, to give us the opportunity to spend eternity with him. So we should know how much he loves us just by that fact alone. But I want you to check out just how strong his love is for us. Romans chapter 8, Paul says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that awesome right there? Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. That's a seriously strong love that's revealed through Jesus Christ himself. That's why it's so critical for us to know him personally. When you understand how deeply he loves you and how strong that that love is, it makes you want to love him and surrender your life to him. There's no other response that makes any kind of sense to that kind of love. Because when you truly get to know Jesus, you will love him. So how do you love him anyway? How do you go about loving Jesus, someone you've never seen in person? Well, he tells us how in John chapter 14. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That word keep there, it's another word for obey. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. He goes on to say in verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And in 1 John chapter 2, John affirms the words of Jesus and also very clearly spells out how we know that we know Jesus. This is one of my all-time favorite verses right here. You want to know that you know Jesus? Here it is. This is how we know that we know him. If we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. 
The one who says he remains in him should walk just as Jesus walked. You see, the key to loving Jesus is obedience. It's obedience. Now, I want you to keep this in mind. Obedience is not what saves you. It's not what saves you. We are only saved by God's grace through our faith. Our obedience is simply the evidence of us being saved. So, to truly know Jesus is to obey him. It's to walk as he walked. And we can only do that by following him. And when you truly follow him, you will love him. And when you truly love him, obedience happens naturally because you want to please him. You don't want to disappoint him. You see, when you truly know Jesus, you recognize it's not about rules to follow. It's about a relationship to pursue. And that relationship turns all the I have to's into I want to's. That's what true love does. Don't be deceived into thinking that following Jesus is all about rules. That's the fatal mistake that the Pharisees made in Jesus' day. They were so consumed with following God on the outside with all their rules and their rituals that they totally missed the Messiah. And they had no true love for him on the inside. And Jesus rebuked them harshly for their hypocrisy. No amount of rule keeping will ever get us to heaven. Some might say that obedience and following his commands are legalistic. Well, I'm going to tell you, the great neutralizer of legalism is love. It's love. That's why Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. He didn't say, I'm the king of kings, I'm the Lord of lords, you better do what I say or else, did he? No, he didn't say that. It's why in one of the greatest verses in the Bible, Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He loved and he gave. Jesus always leads with love. Love is just not something that God does. It's who he is. He is love. And he loves you and he wants you to know him. And to know him more requires us to obey him more. Our obedience is what unlocks the greater truths into the depths of who he is. And in case you're sitting there and you're starting to freak out a little bit about where you stand because you realize that obedience is tough sometimes. Obedience is sometimes a struggle. In case you're freaked out about that, keep this in mind. Obedience is not about perfection. It's about direction. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. We see this in John chapter 17, verse 6, where Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the men you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. They have kept your word? Really? These guys? These are the guys at the Last Supper arguing about which one of them was going to be the greatest. Later that very night, every single one of those disciples deserted Jesus. Peter denied Jesus even after Jesus warned him about it three times before the rooster crowed. And then Thomas, he doubted Jesus' resurrection. It's where we get the name Doubting Thomas from. These guys kept his word? What's up with that? It's because Jesus wasn't looking at perfection. He was looking at the overall direction of their lives. Thank goodness, because all of us mess up at times, don't we? Praise the Lord that his mercies are new every morning. So our overall direction in life is what matters. 
And that direction should always be, in all your ways, know him. Knowing him, having a relationship with Jesus, is what distinguishes Christianity from any other religion in the world. Because knowing him is the only way to heaven. It's the only way to have eternal life. There is no other way. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. No one means no one. There are no exceptions. Knowing Jesus through a personal relationship is the only way to eternal life. In fact, eternal life means, you know what that means? It means to know Jesus. Jesus makes this very clear in John 17, 3. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Now, it's interesting here that Jesus didn't say eternal life is living forever. That wasn't his definition of eternal life. He said it's to know him. Eternal life is incomplete without Jesus. So it's all about knowing him. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Eternal life is not something that we've got to wait to receive when we get to heaven. If you believe and you receive Jesus now, then eternal life begins now. Knowing him is eternal life. So in all your ways, know him. It pains me to see so many people living their lives for all kinds of seemingly good things, but they're missing the one thing that truly matters. And that's knowing Jesus through a deep, personal, and intimate relationship. So many people know about Jesus, but so few actually know Jesus. And what really concerns me is the strong warning that Jesus gives about this in Matthew chapter 7. He says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. There's that word, genosko, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is referring to people who profess with their mouths their faith in God, and they may even refer to Jesus as Lord, but they deny him in how they live by their thoughts, their words, and their actions. The Pharisees were notorious for this. These are fans of Jesus. These are not true followers of Jesus. These are people who sound religious, but they have no relationship. It's a very sad warning because verse 22 says there will be many who hear the words, I never knew you. I never had a deep, personal, and intimate relationship with you. When you know him, you will love him. And when you love him, you will obey him. You see, that's all linked together. Now, I'm going to illustrate this by the life of David. David knew the Lord, and he loved him, and he obeyed him. The Lord referred to him as a man after God's own heart. He was the only one in all the Bible that had this title. We see this in Acts 13, verse 22. The Apostle Paul says, After removing Saul, they're talking about King Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Notice here why God called him a man after God's own heart. 
It's because David will do everything I want him to do. In other words, David loved God and he obeyed him. David's heart and desire was to know God and he wanted to do everything God wanted him to do. Now, the obvious question is, how in the world could David be a man after God's own heart when he committed terrible sins like adultery, lying, and murder? Well, it's because David wasn't perfect. But the direction of his heart was pointing towards God. And he didn't try to excuse his sins. When the prophet Nathan confronted him about his adultery, lying, and murder, David owned them. He owned his sins immediately. We can read in Psalm 51 where he says, Against you, talking about God, Against you and you alone have I sinned. David repented and God forgave him and restored him. Do you know he'll do that for you too? 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. David knew that. So we can understand why God called David a man after his own heart when we read Psalms. David wrote over half of them. I want you to see and to hear how much David loved the Lord because in all his ways, David knew the Lord. So we'll look at Psalm 63 first here. These are the words of David. He says, God... You are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate, you on, on, the, I meditate on you during the night watches because you are my helper. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. Do you see these words? Do you hear the depths of David's heart and how he longs for God? You are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you. My lips will glorify you. I will bless you. I will lift up my hands to you. My mouth will praise you. I meditate on you. I will rejoice in you. I will follow close to you. This is a man after God's own heart. This is a man in all his ways knew God. In Psalm 42, he says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. In Psalm 27, verse 4, David says, The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. And then in Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2, David says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. It's clear from David's words that David, he knew that God was everything to him. He was consumed with knowing God. In Psalm 40, verse 8, David says, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. And then in Psalm 119, Verses 47 and 48, David says, For I delight in your commands, because I love them. I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees. Do you see how David feels about God's word? He delights in it because he loves it. 
It's in his heart, and he meditates on it. You see, to know God, you have to know his word. And to know his word means you've got to spend time in this. This is the key to knowing God, is knowing his word. And when you truly know him, you will love him. And when you love him, you will obey him. Listen, don't be satisfied with just getting to heaven. That is not our objective. Know the Lord God with all your heart right now. In 1 Chronicles, David passes on some fatherly wisdom to his son Solomon. And he experienced this wisdom himself. This is what David says. He says, as for you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him wholeheartedly and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands the intention of every thought. There is nothing more important in this life than knowing God, having a deep, personal, and intimate relationship with him. But many of us, whether consciously or unconsciously, we want to reduce our relationship with God to some kind of formula. We want three easy steps so we can know what to do. I'm not going to give you three easy steps today. I'm not going to do it. God is saying a relationship with me isn't about steps to follow. It's about knowing me. It's about spending time with me. It's putting me first in every area of your life. Because when you do that, he says, I will take care of the details in your life. Do you understand how revolutionary this can be? We often want to focus all of our energy on the details. But God is simply saying to all of us, know me and I will take care of the details. We want specific direction. We want to know the will of God for our lives. Oh, so many people get hung up on the will of God for their lives. Lord knows I have. But let me make this very easy for you. Here's the will of God for your life. Are you ready? In all your ways, know him. There it is. Because he said when you know him in all your ways, he will direct your paths. you remember that? I said at the very beginning of the message there in Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. In all your ways know him, and he will direct your paths. That is so good. You don't have to worry about which way to go in life, what decisions to make. In all your ways know him, and he will direct your path. His word is truth. Do you believe that today? Man, stand on the promises of God. Don't overcomplicate his will for your life. Just put him at the center of it and then depend on him. Now, I believe the Lord is trying to get the attention of some of you today. Some of you are here and you're really worried and stressed out in your life. You got things going on. You don't know what decision to make here or there. You're wondering which path to take. Listen, you don't have to figure everything out. When you know the Lord, you recognize that life doesn't all depend on you. It all depends on him. Now, in the words of the prophet Hosea, let us all strive to know the Lord. That's all that matters. What will God say to you on Judgment Day? Will he say, I never knew you? Or, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, friend, I hope it's the latter. In all your ways, know him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you 
that you made a way for us when there was no way. We know that we're dead in our sins without you, but you sent your son to die for us and to give us eternal life, which is knowing you. So if you're here today and you recognize you haven't been living for him, but you want to know him today, you want to start that relationship with him. Maybe you've met him somewhere along the line. You may have raised your hand in a service or something like that, but you sure aren't living for him, but you want to now. If that's you, just slip up your hand and I'll pray for you. Anyone here today want to know Jesus? Thank you. And you want to live your life for him. Father, I pray that you would go into the life of those who've raised their hand, maybe those that don't have their hand up, but recognize they need a relationship with you. They need to walk with you because that's what it means. We need to obey you. We need to walk with you. And we can only do that through the power of your Holy Spirit. So I pray today that you'd encourage us to do that. As we keep praying today, there may be others of you who've never met Jesus. Maybe you've never made that commitment to say, I want to make the Lord the Lord of my life. Maybe that's you. If that's you today and you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, slip up your hand and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you. I'm not going to call you out and ask you to come up here. Everybody's heads bowed and eyes are closed. Anyone else want to meet Jesus today? Okay, so if you've got that feeling in your heart right now and you've raised your hand, just pray this after me. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior and I cannot save myself. So I want you to come into my life right now and I give you my life. I ask for your forgiveness for my sins based on what you did on the cross for me. And so from this day forward, Jesus, I'm going to live for you and I'm going to know you. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.